Hello, and welcome to Filled with His Love. You know, Jesus' encounter with the young rich man offers so many lessons, but this is one lesson I've never really noticed before or heard anyone mention. The rich man wanted to follow Jesus, but when Jesus said, Sell all that thou hast, that was too much for the rich young man to swallow. Why? Presumably because he was thinking ahead and predicting that if he gave up all his material possessions, he would no longer be happy. He was engaging in affective forecasting, predicting how some action, in this case selling his goods, would affect his emotional state. He was giving up faith in the Savior so he could keep his possessions. Like most of us, the rich man was not good at affective forecasting. He couldn't understand how he could be happy without his worldly wealth, when in fact he could have experienced eternal joy if he had followed the Savior. We are all like the young rich man to some extent. We consider doing something that we think will make us happy, and then we're disappointed when things don't turn out as we predicted. Nearly all addictions follow this pattern. Some anticipate that a cigarette will make them feel good, and instead they get lung cancer. They see cheesecake on the menu and anticipate how good it will taste, and then it gives them indigestion. So we all have problems predicting how we will actually feel in the future. Older people are better than younger people at affective forecasting, probably because they have had more experience. But most people of any age are not really good at it at all. In the book, The Good Life, the authors talk about affective forecasting. You'll remember that this is the book that contains the results of a longitudinal study at Harvard where they followed the same individuals over eight decades and asked them about every aspect of their lives. And because they gather so much data on people, they can actually see what people predict and then how things turn out. Two men, one teaches high school, one becomes a sought-after attorney. The one who ended up teaching high school wanted to pursue a graduate degree, but because of life circumstances could not. So he decided to teach. His salary was, like all public school teachers, quite low. He married and had a family and enjoyed being a husband and father throughout his life. When asked if he was happy at different points in his life, he always responded positively. No, he didn't make a lot of money, but he loved his wife and kids, and money didn't seem to matter that much. His friend completed a law degree at Harvard. Money and position meant a lot to him. He moved to Chicago and practiced law in a respected firm. He married, but his marriage eventually dissolved. He made lots of money, and he advanced in his career, just as he had hoped. But when asked if he was happy, he repeatedly responded no. He had few friends he could confide in, and his family relationships were continually frustrating for him. The teacher was better at affective forecasting than the attorney. The attorney predicted that his future would be bright and give him all the happiness he sought if he could just get the right college degree, snag a good position, and make good money. The teacher modified his affective forecasting. He began thinking that he needed to get the right degree and a high-paying position, but when life led him somewhere else, he adjusted, found a fulfilling career, albeit low-paying, and focused his time and energy on relationships. 
Because he focused on relationships, he found happiness. And because the attorney focused on professional accomplishments, even though he was very successful at achieving what he set out to achieve, he did not find happiness. The authors of the book conclude that most people are particularly bad at affective forecasting. We often predict what will make us happy, what will make us feel good, but we often miscalculate, as did the attorney. I think, for example, about addictions. We think that something will make us feel good, and then it actually is the opposite. Think of overeating. We see that piece of cheesecake on the menu and say to ourselves, that looks good. We order it, and then about four bites into the slab of sugar and fat, we begin to wonder if we can finish the whole thing. But we persist, eat every bite, and then feel a little sick afterwards. It tasted good, but it didn't make us feel very good. That's a little like the attorney in the Harvard study. The degree tasted good. The high-powered position in Chicago tasted good, but he became so obsessed with making money, he couldn't focus on what really mattered. That brings us back to the rich man and Jesus. He could not imagine his life without all the possessions he had acquired. His wealth was his aim, and wealth he got, but he miscalculated. He made a poor prediction. He declined to accept the Savior's invitation to follow him, and by his unwillingness, he missed out on the most joyful possibilities that anyone could ever imagine. The authors of The Good Life conclude that we are particularly bad at forecasting how we will feel about relationships in the future. Consider those with an anxious attachment style. They constantly worry that the one they like being around won't like them, and they are often dead wrong. They miscalculate. They make poor predictions about how they will feel. Likewise, those with an avoidance style reject many around them because they don't feel they can trust them, and so they often end up trusting no one. And that leads to no relationship at all. They believe that relationships in general are too risky, so they avoid getting close to others and allowing others to get close to them. Those with a healthy attachment style, on the other hand, are better at affective forecasting. They have developed the capacity to predict how a relationship will go, and so they can soon discern if a relationship will lead to happiness, like the teacher described in the book. He knew very soon that the woman he was planning to marry would lead to happiness, and he was right. The attorney predicted that his first wife would lead to happiness, but he was wrong. The interesting thing to me is that the attorney likely could have had a happy, long-lasting marriage with his first wife, but he never focused on the relationship. He focused rather on position, title, and money. The lesson is clear. When we focus on giving and receiving love, our lives bring lots of joy. And when we focus on anything else, we become frustrated and unhappy. Of course, this applies to our relationship with the Lord as well as with family and friends. The story of the rich man approaching Jesus is our own story. Are we willing to leave the world behind and follow the Savior? If we are, we will find joy, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Hope this is helpful, and we look forward to seeing you next time.